I'm just thankful for, uh, for everyone that um, has served our nation, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a great nation. Also, um, if you want to follow along this morning, you go to rmfchurch.org, click on media, then notes, and you'll see living rent-free. <clears throat> what a title for a message. If you're an investor, that's not a good thing. Uh, but uh, you don't want people living free uh, in your property. But this is what I see happening, that people live rent-free in your mind. And uh, I got this many years ago uh, because, you know, if somebody does you wrong, you know, country music, somebody done your wrong song, and uh, you play it over and over and over in HD or stereo, high-fidelity stereo. I mean, it just goes over. And so people are living in people's minds rent-free. And uh, when you get bitter, <clears throat> it just really poisons you, and the devil uses that as a tool. Did you know no devil, no person can make you bitter? You're going to find out today that it is truly a choice. But I do believe, you know, if you go on social media, I mean, it's just a tack dog city. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody's mad at somebody, and everybody hates somebody, and everybody's been done wrong, and so and everybody's just tick. It's just a, a bomb waiting, tick, 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 tick. Everybody's tick. And uh, a lot of it, I believe, not some of it, I believe, is because people are bitter. What happened to them? Their daddy did them wrong. Their mother did them wrong. Their spouse did them wrong. Their dog bit them. Something, you know. Some pastor did them wrong. And uh, I've done people wrong before as a pastor, you know. People have been ticked and left. And, and um, if I was perfect, I would be perfect. But I'm not. So get over it. But anyway, uh, the great thing is, is that God said to forgive. And there's a reason that God wants you to forgive so you don't embrace poison on the inside of you. You know, it's kind of like when you get mad at somebody and you think, I'm going to just really get them. You pour some arsenic in a glass jar and you say, I just really want to get back at them. Being bitter towards them is like drinking the arsenic, believing it's going to affect them. It does not. Just so you know, in case you miss Health 101, it's not going to affect them. But it will poison you, honey. It will definitely poison you. So Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 16. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You can fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. He, listen to the Passion Translation. Hebrews 12, 14, the Passion says this. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Let me just take one side journey because a lot of people said, well... It says, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So it's not you thinking that you have to make yourself holy. If you don't have a revelation that you are holy, you're never going to see what the Lord has done for you. You see, make sure you don't get the cart before the horse because a lot of people think, I've got to be holy or I'm not going to see the Lord. No, the reason that you are holy is because you did see the Lord and he made you holy. Unless anyone falls short of the grace of God. Now, you don't fall short. It's not that God is withholding grace from you or not giving you grace. 
The problem is, it says that a root of bitterness springs up and it causes you to fall short of the grace that is already in you. So a lot of people are blaming the devil or blaming God for what is, you already possess it, but what will cause you to not see it manifested, one of the reasons is bitterness. Holding on to things that have hurt you, done you wrong. It says, make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. When you hold on to bitterness, it makes you resist the revelation of God's grace upon your life. Bitterness not only hurts you, but it hurts other people. Several years ago, uh, there was a woman who was coming to our church. She was really praying, believing God. And she said, Pastor, can we just get people? We just, I want to believe for my husband to come to church with me. And so we were doing that, believing that. And lo and behold, a few months later, he came. And um, all of a sudden, I, we went and had coffee a couple of times. He just loved the church. He loved me. And just th- he got involved in the church. And things were, I mean, it was just like, wow. God is just was really working in this guy. And a few months after that, the woman who was so faithful to our church got offended. She got offended in our church. And so instead of coming to everything and just being so involved in our church, little by little by little, she quit, 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 quit. And then that offense got onto her husband. And so he quit the church. She quit the church. And I just thought, it's a shame that offense... And then that offense turned to bitterness, caused her to what God had done by bringing, answering her prayer. She, she chose to grab hold of bitterness. And because of that, the blessing that God did, the grace that God did, now was blocking, being blocked by her own bitterness, by her own choosing. I know a lot of times we, people, blame God for, for so many things. And, uh, I, Let's just be honest. We don't have all the answers. I mean, somebody can pull a scripture up to me and throw it in my face and say, well, what about this scripture? You're saying God is good and God wants. What about this? I don't know from Genesis Revelation, every revelation of the scripture. But I do know the heart of God and that he's good. And so that's my filter system. I may not be able to explain it to you, honey, but I do know something. So if you're one of those people, you have to have all of the information. You may not get it from me. I'm not afraid to tell people, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know how good God is to a degree. I do know that. Anyway, a couple of months ago, it may have been longer ago, uh, the gentleman that was murdered, uh, Botham Jean, I believe it was his name, he was murdered in his own home. Uh, Police officers came in and shot him, killed him, and it was on trial. Uh, The lady was on trial, and his own brother was in the witness stand and turned to the woman and said, I forgive you, and then turned to to the court and said, can I go and give her a hug? She stood up, he stood up. They hugged, and the whole world saw the hug. And that was the love of God. That was somebody that did not let bitterness destroy not only him, but destroy her. You see, so many times we hold on to bitterness and think it only affects us. Honey, it does not just affect you. It does not. Unforgiveness is a poison that's like a cancer that can run through a family, can run through a church, can run through a nation. Bitterness causes us to see things wrongly. I mean, just absolutely wrong. 
And I know that sometimes we feel justified in holding on to unforgiveness. We feel just, have you ever, I've felt justified before. Have you ever felt justified before? Don't, I'm just, that's a rhetorical question. Don't answer it. But anyway, I mean, I, I felt like, you know, they done me wrong. I have every right. I do. And the Lord goes, really? Yes. If the Lord's always, if he's asking you a question, be careful to answer it so quickly. There's so many times that, you know, we think that we think that we have that kind of an attitude and that it's okay to have that kind of attitude. I'm going to prove you wrong today, but it is such a free because if you're doing anything remotely on this planet, offense is going to try to come to you. If, if you live in a cave in a hermit and don't have anybody that ever visits you, you could pretty well live offense free. But if you leave the cave and just see one person and they don't even have to talk to you, but there could be a chance of offense because of the look they gave you or something happened. So, but if you're, if you're actually doing something on the planet, you're going to have opportunity for offense to come. And they will come. But the point is, what are you going to do when they do come? I know this, there's greater power within each one of us than we remotely even know. And the Lord showed me this on, when Jesus was on the cross. You, you hear the, the, about this story at Easter. But here's Jesus who did nothing ever wrong. He never did wrong to anybody. Wow. Wow. Never sinned, never done anything wrong to anybody. He was perfect. And yet people hated him, lied about him, beat him, and even had him killed. And while he was in the process of all of that, in the midst of hanging on the cross, he turns to the people who are yelling slanderous things about him. And he lifts his head and says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They didn't ask for forgiveness, by the way. Just so we know the story. So I was talking with Sue, and we were talking about this. You can ask God to forgive people who never ask for forgiveness. But this is the power that Jesus demonstrated, and now I'm going to tell you that that power is inside you and me today, the power to forgive anything and everything that may happen to you. That just causes the devil just to fall. You can do anything to me. You can say anything about me, but I have the power to forgive you no matter what. Is said or done. Woo! That'll set you free. Because people are going to lie about you. I mean, I'm just nearly perfect, you know. That was a joke. Some people go, yes, we know, Pastor. No. Just ask the people who know me. Not my wife, because that may be too much for you. But I mean, you may not be able to handle that much truth. But anyway... 
But no matter how good we think we are, there's going to be somebody who says something wrong or lie or even take, interpret something wrong about you. Even interpret it wrong, even though you didn't, you, they, they think I said what? They, they thought I looked at them how? <laughs> you know? The point is, you have a choice. Dad Hagemeyer always said this. He says, the great thing about getting caught, he says, it's always good to get caught. You know, when I was a young kid, I just thought, no, don't believe that. (laughs) But it's always good to get caught. You know why? Because you're forced to choose now. You're forced to choose. You can choose by keep believing or keep doing what you're doing or repent, which means you take a 180-degree turn And say, no, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to repent and choose to believe this. So when you're caught in the fact that uh, if you're doing wrong, you have a choice now. And so today, there's going to be a choice presented before you if you're holding on to unforgiveness and becoming really, really bitter. Today, it's going to be out in the open. And I don't mean that we're all going to say, okay, it's confession time, speaking to the mic. No, we're not going to do that. But it's going, the Lord wants you to know that he wants you 100% set free today. Amen. That power is in you to forgive, no matter what. Second Timothy chapter 4 says this, that my first defense, this is Paul talking, relating to Timothy, he says, no one stood with me, but all forsook me, may it not be charged against them. Have you ever had that attitude? I've had people forsake me, but I mean, it's like, I hope a thousand trillion mosquitoes habitat your bedroom at nighttime. I said I've thought that. I haven't publicly went to people to tell them that. But, I mean, when everybody forsakes him, he says, may it not be charged against him at all. He tells God, don't. Make sure, God, that there, nothing's being held against him. You know what that is? That is somebody who knows the power that is within them that says, you can't hurt me. I refuse to let what you say about me to hurt me. I refuse those lies. I refuse. And sometimes it's truth that people <laughs> spread. There's been some things that were truthful about me that I, I did that. <laughs> So you think, yeah, I deserve that. No, 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 no. Paul said, I, I don't charge anybody for saying either positive or negative things against me. That is somebody who realizes the power that is in them that says, you cannot hurt me by what you say about me. Wow. Isn't that good to know? Everybody say, I got it. it. You have that power within you today. You don't like, I'm going to fast for it. I'm going to pray for it. No, you don't. You got it. Let me believe that's good news. I got that in me. Yes, you got that in me. But if you don't know you got that in me, you're just going to try harder. Lord, I'm really trying to forgive. Pastor, I'm trying to forgive this person. I've had people say that to me. I'm trying to forgive this person. That's like me. I'm trying to be human. I am really trying to be human. Somebody look at you and go like, you're weird. 
I'm trying to forgive. No, you got the forgiving power inside of you. You don't have to try, honey. It's been given to you. It's been given to you. Bitterness is a tool of the enemy so bad. It causes you to stumble. It causes you to see wrongly. You just don't see right when you're bitter. There's a story in the Bible that it just comes alive to me. There is a wise person on David's team. His name was Ahithophel. I didn't sneeze. Ahithophel. <laughs> you know, I really enjoy talking to you guys. You know that. It's just so much fun. Ahithophel. It's kind of like some people, what they named their kids today. They named you what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ahithophel was on David's team, and he was so wise, so wise. The Bible says this about Ahithophel. It says in 2 Samuel 16, it says, Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if he had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. If you read this and study this, when Ahithophel spoke, I mean, it was like God speaking to everybody, and they believed that God was speaking. And uh, so David and Ahithophel was, for years, they were a good team. But then all of a sudden, David had a son and uh, Absalom, and he was rebellious and bitter, and uh, he wanted to overthrow his own father. And so he was very successful in doing that. He had people follow him. And uh, Ahithophel left David and went and joined himself to Absalom. You think, how in the world can you do that? How can somebody who you really believe in and, and that you're part of the team, of, of the royalty team, and then you abandon him and go to the... And, be with a guy who's wanting to dethrone him. That's one chapter, 1623. One chapter later, 1723. Now, when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he gave Absalom some advice, and it was not followed. He saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself and died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Here's a guy who's speaking like God. And then all of a sudden, one piece of advice that he gives is not taken, and he goes and hangs himself. I don't know about you, but have you ever given somebody's advice and they didn't take it? You didn't go, where's a rope? Just give me a rope. We're going to end this thing. We're going to, I mean, just because somebody didn't get you, you think, what happened? Are you kidding me? When you read that, you go, what happened? You're speaking with like God, and then somebody, just one time, just one time, somebody didn't take your advice. You go, it's over. Life isn't worth living. <laughs> he served David and Absalom. 
Ahithophel not only abandoned David, he hated him to the degree that it was just unbelievable. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, it says, And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel hear that you are abhorred by your father, then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house, so everybody can see it now. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. That's the advice Ahithophel gave to Absalom. Go and sleep with all your father's concubines. That's really going to bring disgrace upon David and his kingdom. In other words, this is the ultimate. Absalom did it. The hatred didn't stop there. 2 Samuel 17, 1. Moreover, as if that's not enough, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. Ahithophel was not even in the military. He wasn't a military dude. I mean, he wasn't a general or anything. And he says, give me 12,000 guys. I'm going to go after him. Verse 2, And I will come upon him while he's weary and weak and make him afraid, and all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. In other words, I'm just going to kill David. He went from being a close commandant with David to the point where he only he wanted to ridicule and, and dishonor him to, I want to kill him. I want to kill him. How did this bitterness happen? Are you ready? You're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. David was supposed to go out with all of his military, but he didn't. He stayed behind. He goes up on top of his rooftop, and lo and behold, in the lower rooftop of his woman taking a, a bath. He looked upon her, and he said, I want that. He tells his servants to go and get her and bring her to his bedchamber. They did. She did. And lo and behold, she gets pregnant. He has her husband, who is out fighting for the nation, murdered. And then he takes her in to be his wife. What you may not realize is how these two stories are connected. Ahithophel and David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 23, 34. Now, before I start reading all of these names, I'm just going to tell you up front that I will butcher them. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor, you pronounced that wrong. No, no, really? I'm just telling you. Thank you for that great wisdom. Okay, the first one, Eliphalet. The son of Ahashbagai? The son of the M guy? <laughs> this is the one that you need to get. Eliam. Just remember Eliam, the son of who? Ahithophel. 
It's good to hear that you can't hardly pronounce that either. Uh, the Gileonite. So Eliam was the son of Ahithophel. You got it? All right. 2 Samuel 11.3. So David sent and inquired about the woman. This is Bathsheba. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Bathsheba, follow this now. Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam, and Eliam's dad was Ahithophel. So Bathsheba was the granddaughter of Ahithophel. Mm, you connect another dots. So Ahithophel loved David, served David, but when David did what he did to Bathsheba, Ahithophel said, I'm not following you anymore. And not only am I not following you, I'm going to make your life hell on earth. And I'm going to do my best not only to destroy your kingdom, but I'm going to even desire to kill you. Because of what David did to his granddaughter. Hmm. All of us can sympathize with Ahithophel. I mean, if you thought, that's my granddaughter, I mean, it would be like, you know. (laughs) We can all sympathize with that. But here's the problem. David turns to God when he's found out by Nathan the prophet. Again, he got caught. It's always good to get caught. David had a choice, and he chose wisely. He said, God, I've sinned before you and the nation. Forgive me. God forgave him. Obviously, he did. I can even say this. He forgave him before he even asked for forgiveness. But until he had realized the revelation of God's forgiveness, it wasn't manifesting in his life. Did you get that? But what Ahithophel didn't know is that David did repent. In other words, he was going this way, and he said, that's not the nature that God has created me to be. That's not my identity. So he repented and he went the right way. Ahithophel, either he didn't know it or if he did know it, it didn't matter. Because bitterness will cause you to be blind towards things. You know what the sad thing is? In in, uh, Acts it says that God said this about David. This is the testimony in Acts chapter 13. It says that, when he had removed him, he raised for them David as a king to whom also he gave testimony. This is the testimony that God says about David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. What? 
Did God just forget about 2 Samuel? Come on now. Did he forget about that whole Bathsheba thing? David is a man after my own heart. Well, not entirely. Not entirely, God. You're, you're missing this. See, this is when you need to know the true nature of God, the Father. He's so good. David, in God's eyesight, was a man after his own heart, even what he did wrong. Even though he did wrong big time. Even though he did wrong to the grandfather. I'm not justifying and say, you know, like it was no big deal. No, that poison that was in Ahithophel, the root of that was all the way because of what David had done. Having said that, Ahithophel had a choice to make. Nobody can make you or me or Ahithophel bitter. It's a choice that you will embrace and hold on to. It's up to you whether or not you let it go. And people say, I just can't. If you can't, then that poison can destroy you to the degree it can destroy your life like it did Ahithophel. No, I'm not saying you may not take your own life, but you could. But I'm just saying the, the symbolic thing there is it can destroy your life. Holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to bitterness. It, was it terrible? Was it wrong? But could it even be justified? Yes! But if you truly want victory in your life, you've got to forgive and let it go. And you have the power and ability to do it. <laughs> A man after God's own heart. It's funny that we read that about David, but we never read anything else about Ahithophel. I know that there's been times in my life that I didn't realize I was bitter. So I'm going to help you out how I believe that God helped me out. Because there's sometimes if, if somebody would ask you, are you bitter? No. No, no, no. But let me just help you out here. Somebody did something wrong, you know, very hurtful to me. And, you know, I, I pray, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive him. It's and went on with my life. And, but then something happened and somebody would bring that person up and talk about them. My heart would begin to race. And I could just feel the blood just changing course in my body. And I knew that anger would start to rise up within me. In the back of my mind, I thought you forgave them. I'm not saying that if somebody did you something wrong that your feelings, you know, go haywire. We're, we don't live by our feelings. We don't. But having said that, you know, if somebody says, oh, let's go to this party. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go. Oh, who's going to be there? And they name this person such and such. And you go, no. No. Nothing. And they go, what? Nothing. I just, I've got something planned. I forgot. You may be holding on to bitterness. 
I'm not saying you have to go and have coffee with these people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you have to be best friends. But I am saying this. You can't hold on to bitterness because it's going to affect you. So this is what you do. When you have those feelings, you just go. If you have to do it private or in your heart, you just say, you know what? Those feelings are rising up within me, but I have forgiven that person. I refuse. I refuse to allow bitterness in my heart. You may have to do that five times, 50 times, 500 times. And depending on how bad it is, 5,000 times you may have to remind yourself that I've forgiven them. I have forgiven them. They are forgiven. I have forgiven them. They are forgiven. I refuse to hold on to bitterness. I'm going to close with this story. I, I don't have time to go there in the scripture, but when Joshua was leading the people of Israel, he was the leader. They were on their way to the promised land, and they were being led by a pillar of fire and a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You remember the story? So who's leading them? God. God is leading the people, and he brings them for three days. They didn't have, find any water, so God was leading them, and he brings them to water. But the watering hole, when they tasted it, was bitter. So they called that place Myra, which means a place of bitterness. They couldn't drink it. All of this water, it looked good, looked pure, Oh, it was just like heaven. It looks all good, but it was not drinkable. And you think, what's up with this? God led us here, and we can't drink water. Bad joke. God led them there. But this is the thing. When they cried out to God, God said, I want you to take a branch, a tree, and I want you to throw it into the water. And the bitter water will not only become drinkable water, it will become sweet. It'll become sweet. They did. And it did. And they were able to drink it. I've been meditating upon this. I don't know if I, if I got... Well, I definitely know I don't have every the revelation on it. But this is what I got out of just meditating on it. You know, because there's times, you know, people hear my preaching, and they think, and I've heard a minister uh, say this on TV even, that, you know, these people that just preach that God wants you well, and God wants you whole, and God wants to bless you, and God wants to, he says, well, that's just all false preaching. I'm telling you what, there's people that have trials, and there's people, bad things happen, and, and it's just terrible, you know, and, and I go, I, I don't disagree with that. But what I do disagree with is your conclusion and result of that. It's not God who causes the bitter things, the terrible things to happen. I believe what God wanted them to realize and for us to have this revelation is there are going to be things in your life that can make your life very bitter. To make your life very bitter. Because people are going to treat you wrong. People are going to say things wrong. People are going to just make your life hell sometimes. And God is just saying this. There's going to be times that you have an opportunity to drink the bitter water. But if you drink the bitter water, it will poison you. It's poison to you. 
But if you look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, what he did on the cross, the tree that was put in the water, even the most bitterest thing that could happen to you, God says, if you look into me, the power that is in you, the grace that is in you, I can make it sweet for you. Woo! Slap me upside the head. No bitter situation can rob you and destroy your life unless you keep drinking it. If you keep drinking it, yes, it's going to make you sick. It's going to make your life just miserable. But God is saying, don't drink the bitter water. Don't drink the bitter water. Yes, yes, there is water there, and you can't get away from it, but there's one thing you can do in the midst of the bitter water. Get the cross. Dip it into it, and I'll make it sweet. You say, how is that? It's beyond my knowledge. It's beyond my power. But I know this. It's in you, and it's in me. That power's in me. No matter what bitter situation I face in life, it does not have the power to overcome me. Great, we quote this scripture all the time. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But we don't, we can't forgive. We can't let go of the bitterness. I'm just saying. You can because of the greater one living on the inside of you. Bitter things will happen. You'll be tempted to drink it. You'll feel justified in drinking it. But I'm here to tell you, it will just make you sick. And it will even poison those around you. It's not the will of God. It's happening in families today. It's happening in churches today. It's happening in our nation today. It's time for the church to rise up and say, there's something far greater than bitterness and strife. The Bible says where there's strife and division, there's every evil work. There's something far greater than you holding on to your hurt, to your pain. Man, I've justified my pain. And justifying your pain will not set you free. It will embolden your pain. And by that I mean it will feel like I have a right to feel hurt and pain. It was my own parent that did that. It was my own mother. It was my own father. It was my own spouse that did that. It was my child that did that. It was my boss. It was my pastor. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. But there's somebody far greater than any of those who lives inside of you. His name is Jesus. And he has given you the power to live above it, to let it go, and to make life sweet for you again. Let's stand. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. There's many opportunities in life to where we can be bitter many, 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 sometimes in one day. But I believe, Father, as this message has, I believe for it to minister not only to us, but to everybody that hears this around the world. May it be heard. May it change families. 
May it change individuals. May it change churches. May it change cities and states. And may it change nations. Because where love is, where sin, you said where sin abounds, grace and the love of God does much more abound. It's more powerful. So may this great power that we've been talking about start manifesting in lives of individuals, start manifesting in families, start manifesting in churches and cities and nations. May it be manifested to such a degree that it will come to pass, as Jesus said, this is how the world's going to know you're my disciples. For your love for one another. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. May this be a church that stands upon the love and does not judge. May this be a church that never points the finger. May this be a church that embraces the grace that is within them and never lets bitterness come in between and cause grace to fail. May this be the church that the filters fall off of their eyes and they see people as Jesus sees them. May this be the church that they can testify of somebody like a David who did terribly wrong and testify, this is a man or a woman after God's own heart. May this be a church that rises up and changes the way that our city looks upon other people. Not to judge, not to point, not to be critical but the grace of God to flow like a mighty Russian river, not only in this church, but in every church, all the way into the heart of downtown Pueblo, the east and the west and the north and the south, every workplace, every school, the love of God to abound in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a message at a... A little bit different, but I tell you what, it is set, people need to be set free today. And you may be that one.